What's happening, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm going to try to bring some more juice to this podcast every now and again, because I got a kind of snotty review that I don't have any personality, and I think I have some personality. I'm Jake Burns. I'm your host. I think I do okay. Sometimes when you do a podcast every single day, it can get a little monotonous. It can get a little boring. It can get a little repetitive, especially this time of year where there's not much new going on. Even if you do talk about the draft picks, you talk about them nonstop. I'm just, all I'm saying is cut me some slack. I'm trying. I put out like 340 podcasts last year. Probably going to do the same this year, maybe more. Try my best. I'm excited about this episode. We have a weekend guest with John Colosimo. I'm really pumped to have John, even if it's not for our usual Friday. We're going to break it down here on the weekend. We have three, I think, pretty good topics to talk about that are pretty pertinent in brown circles right now. But before we get there, John, first of all, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it's Saturday. It's nice. Uh, got Mother's Day coming up, uh, but things are good. I'm prepared this year. Good plans for Mother's Day tomorrow? Uh, we do like a family thing, you know, so um, we have that. But uh, I have... Um, not done well in the past <laughs> you know like my i got a one and a three-year-old so you know there haven't been too many mother's days but uh i have uh fallen short of my wife's bar at least on one occasion and i think i'm gonna do all right tomorrow so we'll see love that i'm terrible at mother's day i'm terrible because kelby's birthday is april 12th and then it's like right back again I just it Mother's Day always creeps up. Oh, it's this weekend. I just I, I've thought that for the last three years, and now I'm yes. ill prepared. And yes, we were at Target together tonight after we saw Sonic. Just, listen, Joe oh, Carey nice. just never gets old. Saw Sonic with our our little guy, and he loves it. And and uh, just shout out to Jim Carrey, who's just who's classic Jim Carrey in so many ways in that movie. Even though the movie's pretty terrible if you're an adult, but nonetheless, but uh. Yeah, we went to Target. I can't, I can't get a gift for her when she's there, and it's like I have no free time. I'm just terrible at these things, so hopefully she doesn't leave me tomorrow, but we get the family down. John and I are recording this on Saturday. Obviously, this is, this is Sunday if you're listening to this or if it's Monday when you get to this podcast. Hope you had a great Mother's Day. Um, shout out to all the moms out there who are heroes and uh, deserve all the credit in the world and deserve to have that said more than once a year, right? You know, so... Shout out to uh, shout out to the mother. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So switching over. Listen, I told you before the pod, I had to tell you something right off the rip, man. And, and we talked about Batman like two, three weeks ago. So I'm going to harken back to a, a scene in the Nolan trilogy where where uh, Alfred's on the staircase telling telling uh, Bruce Wayne that Rachel actually didn't pick him. He says, I failed you. I failed you, man. We were supposed to talk about this nick cage movie that you're pumped about and i didn't i didn't see it yet man i'm treading toward the waters of seeing this thing on demand do they do red box anymore is that just completely gone did that company go under no i i thought it was still there i mean i i, I definitely don't think it's been that long since i saw one but now that you mention it i don't recall and even even if they did have one i don't have anything that plays media anymore so <laughs> i wouldn't I have a way to do this- it we were at this hotel. I've talked about this at nauseum last week where Stephen Thomas hooked us up, Kelby and I, with a great hotel in Vegas. And I'm talking like creme de la creme for what we're used to from hotels. And like, it's so nice. And then they give you these free DVD rentals. And I'm like, where can we watch a DVD in this room? And it's just this archaic DVD player in the bedroom. And I'm like, man, I have not. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I've really seen a DVD player. It's been forever. But anyway, we're out in the weeds as we normally are. Whenever I get to this movie, we will we will 
connect it might be an emergency episode john i'm gonna i'm gonna come back because i've heard so many good things man so i'm down with it my my only my only thing i'm just saying it it's not a drama watch it with somebody that's all i'm saying i need someone to laugh with i have a friend of mine here in columbus who will find it funny i think the way we do so i'm in i'm in but i gotta find time to be in to uh to that so Doctor Strange is out, and that's Top Gun. My dad, my dad is a huge Top Gun fan. Oh, he wants yeah. to see that with me, so gotta go do that with pops. So, anyway, listen, we're here. You're a Browns podcast listener, and we're five minutes into this thing. We haven't gotten to the Browns yet. We're gonna get there. Promise. We're gonna start with a topic <laughs> that is just still it's nauseating that we're still doing it. We're still doing it, and I think I've told you, and I again back to Alfred, I failed you as listeners. I've told you like seven times I'm done talking about it. And here I am, (laughs) John, it won't go away. It won't go away. It won't go away till he's gone. And then even when he's gone, I don't think it'll go away forever because so like this conversation I had with Kevin Cole, if you did not listen to it, I think it was out Wednesday, maybe earlier this week. So go back and check it out. But Kevin's obviously a very smart guy, does a ton of science on uh, study on the, on the data side of things and, just good points of view, in my opinion. And we were talking about this dying middle class and how now it seems more than ever, the NBA has been a tanking league forever. And it's just bluntly obvious. And while the NFL is trying to call more teams out for this, we still have not seen this level of quarterback tanking. And I do think like I give people crap on Twitter and there's some of these people who just come after me on Twitter nonstop. Like I think Baker Mayfield is trash. If you read anything I write, I've never said he's trash. I said that there are, is a clear level of average to below average that he plays at at times with some boom in there to get above average to good sometimes too. But the Browns could not handle the price that they would have to pay for the inconsistency that is Baker Mayfield. So, you know, I, I, sometimes somebody will tweet something like there was a popular tweet you and I saw, and I think you were in the thread too, John, where you said like, he's the 17th highest graded quarterback since he entered the NFL. If you take out this past season, with the injury, he goes up to like the 10th highest. And if you take out the Kevin, not Kevin, but uh, um, Freddie Kitchen season, he jumps up even two more spots. It's like, okay, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this thing where you take, if you take out all the bad for every guy, they're going to be good. Eventually you take out enough bad. They're, they're good. If you take a bad, if you take a good player and you take out enough of their good, they're going to be bad, right? Like there was this whole famous Reddit thing. Somebody wrote up where they're trying to justify how Pat Mahomes really isn't that good by taking out all these really good plays. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here, man? But anyway, (laughs) you and I got to talking and this was even before Kevin and I's conversation about how it just seems like in years past, and you made a great point, John, in years past, somebody's taken a chance on Mayfield and it might not have been at the number that he's at, but even as recently as two years ago, we saw somebody take a chance and pay a portion of the salary on Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So it feels like, you know, and, and again, we kind of closed tonight's conversation that we were in on the thread with this idea that, you know, a Ryan Tannehill like resurgence could be in store. And a reminder, I think Tannehill signed like a one year cheap deal with the Titans. So yeah, it was like you know, two million take, or something like yeah. that to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take that for what it's worth. That could be where Baker's headed. I don't know. But anyway, a former number one overall pick who has had good seasons in the NFL promising rookie season in a really nice, a strong 2020 season. So like the, the level of surprise that there are no takers to give him another season of run to see if there's more there is pretty surprising. I think you can identify roughly 10 teams. He could come in and have a very realistic chance to start for. So it is surprising, even though there's some characters, character things that we've talked about, some, 
personality things. And I really don't think we talk enough, John, about the lot of the pre-draft process where he told teams outside of the top like eight, I don't have time for your playbook. I'm not getting picked there. So there's some like list. There's some of that, but it is still surprising to see no, like no team has really taken a chance on this guy and teams are actually physically punting on the quarterback position. And I mean, like Seattle is the perfect example of like, they really are punting. We know who drew lock is. We know, we know they have no answer. <laughs> they have no answer. And they, they didn't even draft a guy. And even, even Carolina didn't really move up for somebody that matters. I mean, Matt Corral, they moved up into the late, like late third. That's not a big jump. That's not selling the farm to go maybe up into the first part of the second round. I, I, I don't know, man. No. It's weird. It seems like teams, John, and I'll throw it to you to, to talk about, you made some great points, but it seems like teams are punting on quarterback with the idea. And this is just a thought I've had where if they have a decent team, but a terrible quarterback, they can go to their front office and say, Hey, we were bad because of the quarterback. Let us go get a guy now. And like this middle class of quarterback where it's like, it's 25 million for Tom Brady as like the 15th highest APY next year. And then it's Jameis Winston at 14 and then everybody else is below 10 million. There is no middle-class quarterback. Yeah. Um, that's great. I, I have to go listen to that because uh, whether that was before or after um, I'm, I will be very happy. I, I always like it when um, I have not had, you know, any kind of other conversations really kind of taint my views or taint is like influence bias, whatever you want to call it. You know, so I like it when, um, the stuff that comes into my own head ends up matching with guys I respect. So I have to go listen to that. Uh, but yeah, I think that that was really like the crazy thing, you know? So we had this draft where, and, and I still kind of lean toward the NFL probably made a mis overcorrection or a mistake. Like at a certain point, the value of those rookie contracts, um, you know, it makes it worth taking a shot at certain guys like, there's there's PFF guys that really liked, um, you know, Ritter that really liked Malik Willis, and I didn't. But where they ended up going, like they got to a point where I'm like, okay, this is beyond, this is beyond where there should be value. I I heavily criticized the Colts. I, I you know Chris Ballard, who gets you know showered for, and he he's a very good GM. Like he especially thrives in. Uh, free agency and finding really good value for very low money. And they have stashed a ton of cap space. Um, I think there's been a couple of moves that uh, I didn't agree with, but overall uh, he gets a very good rep. He's a good drafter um, for non QBs and he does a very good job in that second, third tier free agency market. Um, but the idea that they would not take a guy uh, with Matt Ryan, who you're not even guaranteed that Matt Ryan. Look, I was interested in Matt Ryan in a scenario where we did not get to Sean and um, Baker was basically out the door. I was interested in Matt Ryan, but it was still shaky. I mean, if you look at his trajectory, it was still shaky. So I, I heavily criticized Ballard. Like, I don't understand how you don't you know, take a shot at a Malik Willis like that. You know, I think the Eagles also, um, I think, did poorly by not grabbing a Malik Willis in the third. Um, anyway, so the draft was a little weird, but getting to these uh, transactions, you know, uh, I'm, you know, bringing up some of these and I can 
I've got a list here. So let me just read off a couple for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got, um, you know, obviously this year or no, you know, last year you got uh, Carson Wentz uh, acquired for, a you know, he very big salary. I'm only going to hit the big salary guys because I think that kind of, you know, gets to the point of it, you know, a first round pick and a third round pick for Carson Wentz and whether or not, um, I think there was a little bit of a familiarity because you have Frank Reich there and whatnot. But let me tell you, there were stories that came out about Carson Wentz that, you know, while not as public as the Baker Mayfield stuff were pretty bad locker room. Colts type burned things. him out the door. They, oh. they, they burned well, him that out was, the this is getting him in the door. You know, this is even yeah. getting him in the door and then they get him out the door to Washington and he goes for what, like uh, essentially a second and a third because they end up swapping seconds. So, you know, they move up a second in, uh, in this year's draft, but they give a next year's third. Oh, no, it's two thirds and a move up in the second. Right. And that's mm -hmm. this year. And there was terrible reports that came out from Indy. So this is like two times that Carson Wentz has come, you know, has been moved for. Yeah, uh, with a very large salary um, for a first and a fourth, and then a, a couple of thirds in consecutive years. In consecutive years, stories come out about what a crappy teammate he is. I mean, if that's like if you haven't read those, go read them. Like they're not good stories. So I think like, he's a very good kind of example of why you would think there would be a market for Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, and Washington. You know, from all accounts that I've heard. Uh, was in on Baker Mayfield, but they got impatient. Uh, they weren't willing to wait, so they went on and went. So I, I would assume, and I don't think that this is crazy whatsoever, that Washington would have at least given us the Wentz deal if they were still players. Um, they, But they went and they grabbed Wentz, and so that deal dried up for the Browns. But, you know, moving on, you got um, – you know, Sam Darnold, I think is like a huge, like this is 2021 Sam Darnold gets traded. You know, he's in a similar, um, you know, type situation in terms of salary. Uh, New York gets a second, a fourth and a sixth. Sam Darnold has never had a season even coming close. He hasn't had a season as good as Baker's last year. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what you have to understand about Sam Darnold four years in the league. His best season wasn't as good as Baker's last year. Um, that that's the kind of like craziness that's second, a fourth and a sixth with similar salary. All right. Now you go down a little bit lower. Uh, I'm not going to do the Jared Goff one because that was very complex. You know, you got Matt Stafford, you have an exchange of picks. It's a really weird trade. Uh, very complex. Uh, Nick Foles making 15 million goes for a fourth round pick 2020. You have Joe Flacco in 2019 making $18.5 million, goes for a fourth rounder plus Justice Hill. You have Alex Smith going to Washington, right? Uh, for a third round pick. He's making 17 million in 2018. And understand like, you know, these guys are making as much as Baker is, give or take, you know, in a time where the cap was significantly lower. So they're, they're making more in a relative sense. Like most of these guys that I've just read off are making more in a relative sense to the cap than Baker is now. 
I think the next really the ones that is the two Sam Bradford ones, right? So Sam Bradford goes, you get a second and a fourth. Sam Bradford was making like money, money. That was before the rookie wage scale. He's on the, he was one of the um, previous ones to the rookie wage scale. So he was making bank. Uh, I don't have that exact number here, but he gets traded um, from Philly or from St. Louis to Philly for a second and a fourth. You know, so my point here is that this is kind of where I'm drawing my history from when I say guys like Baker Mayfield at his age, uh, with his history, with his salary, they have almost always had a market where you're going to get something, whether that was, you know, like at the top of the line, like say Carson Wentz, where they got a first and fourth when he went to Phil or when he went to Indy. Um, to, you know, a third, a fourth, or maybe two thirds for Sam Darnold, who is absolutely awful. That was just a, a year ago. Like these, you know, so the idea that we thought that there was a market for Baker Mayfield, is not crazy because there's always been a market for that type of player. So if all of a sudden this year, and I think you can throw in Jimmy Garoppolo so that we don't get too myopic on the Cleveland situation. You throw in Jimmy Garoppolo, who has no market. I think there's a couple, there's a lot of factors in there, you know, and that, um, you know, has something to do with um, people not wanting to settle for the middle. I think that might be a shift in, in NFL attitudes. Um, but also, you know, just That's the question, right? Like the question is, okay is the NFL just now had this cutoff line of, I, I think you, my, my point is this, we can, we can sort of justify a lot of different things, right? Like we can, we can um, justify maybe that Baker's attitude is the biggest issue or, or people have been rubbed wrong by him or people don't think he's X, Y, or Z, but the Garoppolo thing is the total opposite. Now Jimmy's owed more money. It's right. like 27 million. So, like, let me put it this way. I think Jimmy is a more known commodity in terms of what his basement ceiling is. I think that's, I think that's resolved by now. He's played long enough. You know who he is. He's owed more money. I think 27. Um, Mm -hmm. So that does it. But, but by all accounts, a great person in the locker room, a great leader, everyone raves about him. Um, And I'm talking everyone very vocal about supporting Jimmy, but, you have gotten some opposite stuff from Baker this offseason where people have not stepped up to defend him, so on and so forth. But Baker is cheaper at 18.9 and some change. And then he's also younger and a less defined ceiling to me. Now a looser floor, but a less defined ceiling. And I think that's where you and I have gotten into discussions where it's like, I'm just surprised some GM has not said Seattle. Carolina, <laughs> others have not said, I can fix that. We we can get this guy, right? Look at all these things Cleveland did wrong, whether you agree with them or not, most of which I do not. But look at all these things Cleveland has done wrong. Get him here. We'll put our arm around him. We'll support him. We can figure it out with this guy. It's not a lot of money. We can figure it out. That part of it has been wild to me. But maybe, John, there is a total shift now in saying we are tired of mediocre quarterbacks and even the best version of Baker, which I think a Ryan Tannehill like version is a very good outcome for him. Agreed. Tennessee's still looking to get rid of Ryan Tannehill right now. I mean, they're like, they were looking, you know, and like they were very seriously connected. No, they got Malik in the third. I get it. 
But Tennessee is kind of like, yeah, we want to do better at quarterback. And it's just, I think the AFC and all these, the arms race air quotes is putting pressure on teams. And maybe we're at that tipping point, John. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that, like, you're making a good point there. So, like, the, yeah, you know, first of all, yes, like, you know, and I made that joke last night late on Twitter. It's like, <clears throat> there always used to be that I can fix them arrogant attitude. You know, that's has existed for, like, I only read back a few years. But, you know, I've been watching football for a long time. There was always somebody out there that if if you had enough arm talent if you had shown the kind of things that baker had shown in his rookie year and in 2020 there's always a market that somebody is like i can fix this guy and yeah. like that was what i was you know that's how i was counting on it like look you can ask me my opinion and it'll go one way but you know there's a range of opinions around the league and there you know there's always this arrogance that you can go in and fix the guy now I will say <clears throat> it makes sense to me that no AFC team should be trying to touch a Baker right now. The the AFC is so incredibly stacked in terms of talent that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me for any AFC team to go out and get a Baker. The NFC that's a different story. I mean, that's you know, past two, three teams, it's the Wild West. I mean, you can go up and get a playoff spot. You know, so that's, it's a little wild to me, but I will say I looked, uh, I just took another look after the conversation you, Mike, and me had on text the other day, you know, I went and looked just like through the NFC teams and I will say there was less spots than I had floating around in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is a interesting market time. And when you, but, but, you know, I keep kind of going back, it's like, you know, you don't want to be myopic about this. We're Cleveland fans. We watched Baker for years. You know, uh, we have gone through, you know, the shit, quote unquote, over the last, you know, year especially. But when you throw in Jimmy G, it's just like it's hard to it's hard to sit there and say, oh, you know, this is about Baker. It's like, well, it's 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 probably not or it's about the Browns and the guaranteed contract they gave, you know, Deshaun Watson. It's like, well, what did the, what did the 49ers do to anybody? You know, there, there should be some kind of like in NFL recent history, there should be a market for a Jimmy G, you know? And, and I don't know, like, I want to listen to that with Kevin, but I know Kevin has been a higher defender of Jimmy G than most. So he probably was baffled a little bit by that market as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's there's multiple factors, but it's a it's a strange situation, and um, there's not a whole lot of things that make sense to me between salary and and possible ceiling and age, and it just doesn't all add up unless you say, you know, there really just might be this shift, and I think that you know the NFL draft is a bit of a you know indicator of that. I know this that you know the. I think most of us didn't like that class. So it's not like the draft is we, certainly an indicator. That's what we were talking yeah. about too. Like we need right. to see a couple more classes to see if this holds steady. We were, it was a historically, I mean, again, some people were staunchly believing in guys like Malik and, and, uh, Kenny there were and some of these like others. John Costco, I think was oh, a yeah. big believer in BFF was in all Malik in on was. it, man. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. All in. So it's weird. Uh, but again, we, yeah. from the consensus though, it was a bad class from, from, from pretty For much sure. everybody in the NFL, the NFL thought the same. They proved that. So, um, I just want to see, see continues. 
Yeah, I just want to see, like, when you come to the draft, like, obviously next year we got some very top-flight prospects. What, like, I think, and I think you agree with me, Jake, I think the thing that we're really kind of zeroing in here is, uh, you know, are you eliminating, like, the Paxton Lynch's and the, the, Deshaun, the, the Kaiser Deshaun Kaiser-type yeah. picks? I'm, like, I'm not in interested second, in Stroud. Yeah. I'm not interested right. in Young. I'm interested in... Right. Yeah, are there the Deshaun Kaisers, Paxton Lynches of the world looming? Right, like Cause, that's because those have been a staple of the NFL yes. draft going back, like you know, decades. You know, there were always and, those guys. Yeah, and there's the, the the guys like Baker have been a staple too, where teams are willing to move. Now, two caveats: one, the Browns and Baker are at a crossroads. It's clear that Baker has a riff with Jimmy Haslam. It was clear to me the second that happened when he said he demanded the trade and it was immediately shot down, which to me, the only time that ever happens is from an owner. A GM cannot respond that quickly to an NFL uh, insider the way it happened. It was from Agreed. Jimmy, not a doubt in my mind. So there's a rift there. And I also think that they have no problem burning him for a year. I really do. I really, really do. Just telling Cold him to stay away and blooded. we'll pay you. I, listen, dude, <laughs> like, I, I, I think a lot of people style. think they're going to, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people think they're going to cut him. And I'm with that. They could. But I think they're also the element where they could just say, hey, man, we're not releasing you, but we don't want you here. And it could get nasty in that regard. I don't know how it shakes out. But I just think that they could get, they could really try to just be spiteful about all of this. They they really could. And the, nothing surprises me with the owner, like at all. So there's that, and I think that's why the Browns are not in a hurry because if you had, and we don't know what the Browns were trying to settle on with Carolina, but the interest was very real. The interest in Baker from Carolina at the draft was real. A lot of people were talking about it. Ultimately, they couldn't come to a number, but wouldn't you think the Browns, if they were trying to really get rid of him, would have been like, we'll do whatever, man. Just if you really want this guy, we'll do whatever. I mean, to an extent, like we're not going to yeah, give salary you, wise, like, right? We're, we're talking. not going to give you all 19 million, but like, right. You know, were they hassling over like haggling over eight million? Like, 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 okay, so maybe Carolina says we'll pay eight. You pay like, wh- what do you, what's your like, like cutoff there? Just to me, is I think the Browns are trying to stand their line here, so they're in no hurry. I think the 49ers, I've heard some rumblings that Trey Lance is not like the, he, they just don't think he's quite there. So, do they think that we can run it back with Jimmy and be okay? And just in case. Trey doesn't take the steps. We have Jimmy another year. I think both teams are in less a hurry to trade these guys than we think. That's that's where I'm kind of at. Like, can I? I can I, I take I just, just don't one? Think yeah, go ahead. Can I just take like one tiny little like um, space to talk about how bad that is from the 49er standpoint? If like, it's I, true, I know. Yes. I mean, if if that was true, like we're talking about Mike Shanahan, okay, who got mm-hmm. like incredible numbers out of you know nick mullins and uh, you know has uh, you know we've seen him in cleveland ourselves doing crazy do crazy things with brian flipping hoyer people are talking about giving hoyer a hundred million dollar contract that is shanahan if uh you know they traded a lot of capital to go up and get a guy and if he is not ready in year two when you give up that kind of draft capital um, that, you know, in terms of NFL economics, plus, you know, the practicality of, you know, a quarterback, a mobile quarterback in Mike Shanahan's system for two years, and you're not ready like that. That is a bad, bad sign. If Jimmy starts week one, bad. 
Very bad. Very bad. Especially Jimmy coming off an injury, too. So there's a lot at play here. I'm just what we're trying to paint the picture for you is this. It's a strange year of quarterback draft decisions and these these guys who normally it feels like have been moved in normal off seasons. So that has led to a lot of banter back and forth on what the NFL thinks. And I think that the thing we're glossing over is that the NFL might be going through a revolution in that thought process, right? So that's where we're trying to say like, Hey, let's really pay attention to this in the foreseeable future. Okay. Because I do think the guys of the, of the Alex Smith and the Sam Bradford's, have always been moved and and Baker was a first overall pick. So it's not like, you know, he was selected in the second round and they're trying to move. No, he was like the, the nearly the rookie of the year too. So there's a lot at play here, a lot of play. We're trying to track it as best we can and have conversations. Please understand that just because you see me say something that isn't supportive of Mayfield, I don't think he's terrible. Never, never once have said that. I think he's, Average with spikes above and below, and I'll continue to say that until I see otherwise. So I just wanted to clarify, and I think John made some fantastic points about this is weird. Not seeing a team say, we can fix him, bring him in, we'll do what we can, because $19 million is not breaking the bank. It's not. It's cheap. It's pretty cheap for a year deal for a guy that if you think he can do it for you. So it's weird. Um, a couple other things, John. Well, let me ask you this before we shift. Are any other things you want to hammer out on that topic? Because it's an important topic that you and I have tried to get the bottom of. I think we've done well, but if there's anything else you want to close with, feel free. No, I don't think so. You know, I had a small, um, you know, thread on Twitter. Like, if you guys are interested, like, you know, there's been guys that like, question, like, how do you go from, you know, how we thought about Baker going into last year to how you feel about him now. And I laid out my thoughts there. I thought I laid them out pretty clearly. Um, you know, so check that out if you guys want, but uh, I don't think we need to lay it out here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think we've gone through this so many times about how it all ties together that, that we just I can't I can't waste your time with that. But I did really want to get into the shifting what could be this offseason's the the signal of the shift away from being accepting of inconsistent average quarterback play, right? Where they where you think you could get more out of like may, maybe we've seen the end of that. So I don't know. We'll just keep our eye on that. I think it's an interesting topic. The other thing, there's two more things I want to hit on, both of which will be kind of quick the head coaching wins over expect couple of data points there was two things the 
head coaching wins over expected. I, was, I didn't even know this was a thing. Last year, Kevin Stefanski, I don't know where Kevin finished last year. I think he was, was he average, above average? It looked like there know. was a ton of people like right around average. Yeah, because you know, like, they gave you like the top to five, bottom five. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really lay out, and this article doesn't lay out last year either. But what what looked like to me, the Browns had not a ton of injuries, but their injuries were very significant. The guys who did get hurt, the Jack Conklins of the world, or Chubb misses a spurt, or uh, Kareem Hunt misses games, right? And Odell's out for the beginning of the year, and Jarvis misses time. So the guys that were out mattered. So what what I'm kind of interested in when I looked at that was like, hey man. I know you ride high on a lot of these teams, but look at the, the three AFC's best teams with the teams that lost the, the least amount of war to injuries flat out. Like, not a ton of injuries, but didn't lose war. No, they, they didn't have very many injuries, and they didn't lose really any war. KC, Buffalo, Cincinnati. You know, that, that stuff can turn, man. It can turn in an instant, and I think that's a huge reason why Cleveland wanted to upgrade quarterback because they know if they ride health into the right situation at the right time and Mahomes goes down in a second quarter, right? They could get to a, a Bengals like Super Bowl. You know, I think that's what their thought process is here. Let's just buy a lotto ticket for the next 10 years, right? Oh, yeah. And I'll, um, I'll give you a little more on that, too, because uh, just before the pod, I was trying to find the methodology on that. Right. Because you got you always have to look at this because people see the charts and almost nobody ever reads the the methodology. They just react to the charts. So I was yeah. trying to find the methodology on that. I did find at least the one from last year. I don't know how much they adjusted it. But from what I saw, they would have these percentages um, placed. It wasn't just guys missing games. It was also percentages based on your um, uh, your game day status. Right. So questionable, probable, that kind of thing. Right. Do you remember what Mayfield was getting listed as most of the year last year? I don't, I don't know if he was listed as anything on game day, was he? Yeah. I, so I don't, I don't know I, if he was either. And if I think he was probable if if at best, like, but I, I was honestly asking because I, I haven't gone back and looked at that. But I will tell you, I know he, he showed that, up as DMPs on practices, but I don't know if he was anything on game days. Let's check real quick. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Anything else that stood out from that? Well, uh, I am saying like, you know, so if he was probable, they were counting him as 95% in terms of war, right? If he was questionable, they were like 70 some percent, right? So I think it's, it, it's an interesting thing when you look at where the Browns were listed on that. And if Baker, which I think that you're right, like he oftentimes was not listed, um, that they really did not um, accumulate any kind of lost war for Mayfield. And obviously Browns fans should know that uh, we had exceptionally poor quarterback play throughout the year. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, based on if I, if we go back and check and if our memories are right, then there's an awful lot of lost war <laughs> that is not calculated in that. So I just wanted to make that point. Like uh, it was just interesting to me right before we got on. So this is the week 13 injury report. Uh, game status. That's the year before. I'm trying to find it's not it's not as readily available as you think it is. It's just uh, so Browns Ravens injury report December 8th, 2021. That's a that's a good mark. Let's see if we can see what it was entering the game. Um 
You know, again, I don't see anything. I, I, he might have been listed as questionable. I get, I guess he might have been listed as questionable, but I cannot. I think there was though a plenty of times that he was either probable or not listed though, because they stopped they stopped doing it for a while. Um, so I do think that there's some off the cuff things. Now you know the other part of that, you know, the other side of the Bengals staying in the division. Um, being extremely fortunate. And that's a team that, by the way, has been very unfortunate for many years prior. So they were due for a year like that. But um, and a way outlier, kind of like uh, Patrick Mahomes, when you look at a lot of these, uh, at least in the past, maybe not this last year, but his years prior where Patrick Mahomes would always just be this outlier in every single kind of quarterback stat that you ever saw in a chart. Uh, that was the Ravens last year. And I think that makes sense to a lot of people um, because, you know, um, especially because they rely so heavily on those corners. You know, they do a lot of zero blitzing. They, you know, play a lot of man. Um, they lost both their starting corners. Big deals. Um, they were a huge outlier the other direction in terms of losing uh, war uh, in that. So, um I think just no, they don't have people need to listed as anything. Yeah, for I'm like telling you. Pittsburgh at Cleveland, they don't have them listed at all for anything. I didn't Odell think so. Was questionable. Yep, and that's kind of it. Another Johnny Stanton was questionable. Yeah. So you tell me, like, how much week to week as you add those things up? I think the Browns would be in a very different place on that chart yeah. had they been listed. Now, you know, obviously, you got to say, you know, well, that that could apply to a lot of teams. However quarterback big deal so uh, i will just say that the browns probably belonged in a uh you know i wouldn't say it was the ravens but i would say the ravens wouldn't look as much of an outlier if the browns have been listing baker mayfield where i think they should have uh in terms of his injuries and uh, you know even if even if it wasn't his injuries like his play was so bad that that you can't tell me that we were not losing a, a ton of war versus what anybody else expected coming into the year. So Agreed. anyway, Agreed. you know, it, it should be a, a interesting division. All I want to say is that uh, the Bengals probably will not be as lucky on injuries. The, um, the Ravens will almost certainly not be as unlucky. Um, the Browns probably will not be as unlucky as well. And I think that that really kind of, you know, anybody kind of thinking that they really understand where those three teams are going to end up um, is uh, fooling themselves. Well, that's, it's interesting, too. I, I was reading uh, T.A. put out a stat. Cleve T.A. on Twitter put out a stat this week that, like, uh, opposing kickers were, like, 26 of 27 against Cleveland this past year. So, like, <laughs> everything that could have gone. I mean, wacky. that's amazing. It, that is, it's so yeah. wacky. <laughs> it's so wacky. And it also feels like every road opponent, we make this huge deal about, oh, kicking, kicking at First Energy Stadium. Well, doesn't seem like it messes with the opponent very much, you know. I'm being honest; <laughs> doesn't really mess with them. So, how about you just get a good kicker, and that solves it. Like, I, I think it's so overrated. Kind of like the weather games in Cleveland, so overrated. Like, you might get three a year where it's just absolutely disgusting. And well, we we had it. like that that one crazy stretch in 2020, and that you know, however you want to think about weather uh, on the lake here, that was a true outlier if you've been watching you know the browns for a long time that three game stretch in 2020 
um, and it applied both to Baker and the opponent, you know, so it was, you know, it was ubiquitous there. So, um, yeah, that it's, it's more of an outlier than you think guys. More of an outlier. So maybe they get the uh, switch of luck this year. Maybe the karma gods, if your opinion is of the, the other side is, uh, maybe. Is, is maybe never going to give him. I don't know. It's your Cleveland Browns taken. And you had a lot in this year, which we're going to shift to now. Well, we should say too, uh, I'll ask you real quick. The 2022 pass protection expectations is another thing pro football focus put out. We don't have to spend much time on this, but Browns check in at 18th. I was a little surprised by that behind like Houston, the jets, Cincinnati's <laughs> 10th overall. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, the Browns biggest spot that hurts them is, their guard play is an 84 number in the uh, um, calculations, which is they, they have the best guards in the NFL. So that's clear, but their tackles come in at 69, which I kind of agree. The tackle plays a pretty big mystery because Conklin, you know, Jed needs a bounce back year in the worst way to prove his worth. I mean, he's in a, he's in a very important year in general is they, they make a decision on his fifth year option after this year. So it's a wildly important season for Jed, but you know, Conklin's injury, what's the time frame look like on that? So then you're starting either Hubbard, who's coming off another career or season ending injury, excuse me, or, you know, uh, Hudson, who I thought takes, took some nice steps, but you don't want to rely on him. So tackles a bit of a question, but if they got Nick Harris rated as near the bottom, fourth worst, uh, fourth worst, yeah, something I, th- like I think that. it's Pittsburgh's below Cleveland at 30th. So they're way down there. Um, the, the Ravens are 14. So, you know, I think the Harris at 33, there's like the Vikings center position has an 11 number, you know, um, the Pittsburgh's is 17. Atlanta's is 20. Texans is 24. So there are worse numbers, but it's still the one that seems to be hurting them the most. I think 18 is too low. I still with, with Callahan and like the talent that they have in general, I just continue to see these guys finding a way to always be top 15 at minimum. I just, I just have a hard time envisioning, that situation being 18th in the league. And like, they've got three guys here to figure out center. They drafted a young man. They signed Pochich with experience in the NFL. You know, I don't want him to play a ton, but I believe in Harris. So I I just, it's tough. I get what they're doing here, but I just think this is kind of wonky in my opinion. Are you worried about that past stuff at all? Or or is this just, no, I no, I'm not worried about it. I I think that uh, it's poor methodology. Um, I always look at um, these offensive line kind of, um, and there, you know, it could be weird as you look at like, cause ESPN has like this pass block win rate and um, PFF has their own, you know, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I think that the offensive line is a unit. So like the, just kind of like the idea of like kind of separating out these positions and then doing some kind of calculation. Um, I don't think it pumps out very good results i tried to get something out of ben baldwin who i think is involved in that um ranking mm-hmm. uh you know just to give you an example right like uh so you have nick harris who played pretty well like, they're factoring in like draft uh position right nick harris is in what year his third year coming in this will be year three yep yeah so um the you know they have pretty good data on how long it takes um, offensive linemen to, you know, come into their own in the league. And that's second, third, fourth year, you know, those types of things. Uh, They're still heavily factoring him in as being a fifth rounder. He played very well last year. 
right? Uh, in addition, he didn't get to that, a ton of opportunity, but when he did, he true. was good. Like his, his right. priest. This is the thing that's cracked me up, and I'll, I'll come right back to you. He was good in the preseason, made some great effort, had some great efforts. Go back and watch him on Twitch. Watched him with, you know, uh, with Kyle, who did the film with me, O line film. Was, you know, started Arizona State. has got a pretty good feel for it, folks. And like, he also loved Treader too, which obviously we all love Treader, but like, you know, the Green Bay game was really good. And people were like, well, he's unproven. I'd rather not have it. Everybody's unproven until they get a chance to prove themselves. So can you, can you trust that these guys watched him in practice all year? <laughs> Treader never practiced. Can you trust that he had a good game? And can you believe that like, Hey man, every offensive lineman you get or every player is not going to be proven. They have to have an opportunity to prove themselves. So there's projection here. That's what's, that's what a front office does. Like all I've seen from Nick though, when he's played center has been quality reps. He's not a guard. He's a center. So just kind of chill out on that. I am so annoyed. Like, well, he's inexperienced. It's like, well, everybody's inexperienced until they get a chance to have experience. So it drives me crazy. But anyway, no, I hear you. And, uh, you know, at the same respect, what I was trying to get out of Ben Baldwin and maybe he'll respond, um, you know, and we can talk about it next week or something like that. But, you know, he's also bookended by the best pair of guards in the league. That matters, you know, like, yeah. and when you're talking about like individual performance, it's offensive line typically is kind of like a, um, a weak link type unit, right? So um, you're less maybe interested in how well each individual goes, whereas like how e how everybody does on that play. Right. So like, if you're going to talk about pressure, you're going to talk about, um, you know, five guys blocked, one guy gave up the pressure in X seconds. And that's really all that matters. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter so much, you know, unless you have a Lamar Jackson, let's say, you know, who's going to, you know, get out of those. And, you know, Deshaun Watson, by the way, is no slouch in terms of, you know, off, um, you know, um, off platform plays and those types of things to maybe be able to defeat those types of things. But um, it really matters how the unit plays and how the weakest link plays. And, you know, oftentimes I think people, I was, what I was after is, do you have data that says, you know, how these centers do uh, bookended by very good guards? Because uh, I think conventional wisdom, uh, meaning like what you see with your eyes, like not so much like, old school stuff but like what you see with your eyes says you know having good players on each side of you you know uh usually makes things a little bit easier you know they can they can make up for something that you don't see or you know those types of things so um i'm, I'm gonna tell you like 18th is ludicrous for the browns like uh, you know if they truly did come out into that then um something's gone wrong um, given the amount of money that they're putting into the position right now. So um, either like maybe you have a tackle, like totally fail, you know, maybe that, yeah. that'd be the case, yeah. but um, yeah, like 18th just uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you asked around, um, I think if you asked PFF, cause that was like our lads and like stuff like that. Like if you ask PFF, if you ask, you know, you know, a lot of different people around there. Nobody is going to give you that kind of a ranking for the Browns offensive line. You ask, uh, you know, anybody around like who has the best offensive line in this division. Um, it's going to be the Browns hands down. So it's kind of ludicrous to see the Browns behind it. Anybody, they have the Bengals at 10th. Get the out of here with that. They yeah. have the Bengals, I think the Bengals at 10th. Be better. 
I think they'll, they'll be better, be better but there's they're not and, better and who, than the Browns. Who, who's the guard they signed? Um, I can't remember. Uh, Tampa Bay guy, Marpet or Sharp? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, Marpet. They got a better. No, they're guard uh, and, and they're they're they solid. Need. They're solid. Yeah, they're better. You know, but, but there there is absolutely zero chance that you're gonna. You know, you can't even find a Bengals fan that thinks that they have a better offensive line at all, let alone eighteen to ten. Uh, versus the Browns. They'll tell you to a man that they do not have the best offensive line. So um, I think that's a, a poor chart. I think it's poor methodology. And uh, that's the best case I can make for that. I'm with it, man. I'm with it. I don't, I certainly, I could see where you get to Cincinnati a little bit because I do think they now have three pretty good starters. And if Jackson Carmen, that guard can come on for him a little bit, they have a real chance, but like, Baltimore to me is even more surprising. And it's like, I just find that to be even more surprising because Ronnie Stanley's coming off serious injury again. Like there's some talk about his time as a Raven is potentially coming to an end. Like, I don't know. I just think the Ravens even weirder. I I just want to talk about it. I just don't, I just didn't look like I saw 18th and I was, yeah, even if things go awry, like Conklin's not ready to go right away. And maybe Jed's not as good as we hoped he would be, or they float centers. And it's just like a hard time seen a Callahan offense being that low, but we'll, we'll address that later. I want to close with this. You know, Joe Goodberry does a great job. I mean, he's been around circles for, he doesn't really write anymore for the Bengals anywhere, but he's still very active in their social media side with the Twitter stuff. And he's built his own brand and done a great job and just offhand was ranking positions across the AFC North and did wide receiver and running back. And he did quarterback and he had Deshaun Watson at third um, behind both burrow at one uh, and then and then lamar at two and it was like i'm not here and we're not going to do this right now john we'll get to this way later we'll have it out about what we think these guys really are ranked but to me it was just like any in the comments the first thing that joe responded with to somebody who supported watson in terms of the player was just instantly going back at them about the person and it's like i know that like earlier this week you said to me on a, on a quote that I think Jackson McCurry had put up about if they suck, it's going to really suck. If they, if they, <laughs> if they suck, it's going to re- we think right now is miserable. Wait until all the uh, staunchly on one side of this discussion about the quarterback, get their chance to, to thump their chest. Like it's going to, it's going to suck. They're going to, a lot of people would turn on Stephanie. I'm not getting down that path right now, but what I'm getting at is it's just amazing to me, or it's not amazing. I'm trying to think of the way to frame this. It's going to be miserable trying to be a Browns fan. And, and, and even if you're not like what I mean by that is with regard to Watson, because we can watch him. And I talked about this. I have talked about this a lot over the last few months of separating player from person. I don't think Deshaun Watson is the second, the third best quarterback in this division. I think he has a right to be the, like the, the, the guy on the field has every right to be the best quarterback in the division. I could be fine with ranking him second. So it's like, it's just, you can't defend it that you can't defend the player because everybody then just goes back. And then I would imagine this is Roethlisberger stuff was well before Twitter, but people still go at it now, but it wasn't fresh. Like this is fresh. I imagine, I think this is going to be around a long time that no matter what Watson does, no matter in, in, in what way we frame it, if it's just the play, like it's just going to be miserable. People just always responding 22 it's just not fun i think i think what i'm getting at is i'm here for the ride man i'm gonna do it i'm here i'm all i'm always gonna be with the browns 
in some capacity, whether covering them or being involved in them. But there's always going to be the Watson thing that hangs there. And you're going to have a hard time having even like other fan bases, even having discussions around him because it'll just always go there. And to me, that just kind of sucks because anybody, the first time you try to say, Hey, Watson was actually pretty good here, there, or the other. It's like, Oh, you, you know, F that guy because of what happened. Like, that's just always going to be that. And it's like, it just sucks. I don't know, John, I don't know what it's, it just kind of sucks. It just sucks. So I just was re like scrolling through the replies and it's like every single reply is the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So I don't know, man, I don't know what your feelings are on that. Maybe I'm just being over no, the top, I, but, but it's just an I, annoying thing. That's going to continue to happen. I think it's going to be a little less than you think. Uh, I think one interesting thing will be a, how many uh, primetime games the Browns get. Um, it's, it's, there's always going to be the Twitter um, traffic, but the mainstream will look to avoid it anyway. Um, so, you know, your, your, your shows and those kind of things are going to brush by it and those kind of things. I don't think it's going to be quite what it looks like now. However, um, it, it'll take some time because right now we're just talking theoretics and he's going to hit the field and there's going to be another wave. Um, but, you know, even setting that aside, you know, with Joe, like, I don't know if you got to see like his explanation when comparing um, Watson to um, to Joe. Uh, yeah. He basically said that he was a better quick passer, better intermediate passer, better deep passer. Let me tell you right now, like um, Joe Burrow is still not a good deep passer. And like, I don't know if like people have just you know, even, even somebody as smart as Joe has been blinded by this, but um, Jamar Chase is a lot bigger factor in what people think about Joe as a deep ball passer than Joe improving, which he, in my opinion, he didn't um, between, you know, these last couple of years. So, you know, yeah. you can, you can make the argument on that intermediate. That's, that's what I got for you. That's uh, uh, I think Joe, like his processing is excellent. Um, his intermediate, I think is where you probably could make the case. Although even Watson improved, that was like a weakness that he had his first couple of years that he improved upon. Uh, but like the clearly, you know, that comparison is getting heavily shaded by Watson's off the field. And I think you're going to see that for a while. But in reality, Watson's a better deep ball passer. Watson's a better short ball passer. Watson's better um, off platform. Uh, Watson's a better athlete. Um, so, like to me, it's it's all about um, you know some processing and the inter intermediate throws um, are the only kind of cases that you can make that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback. And um, there's people like say, oh, he had a year off. I don't give a shit. Uh, you know, in terms of like, if we're going to talk like flat play, like that is like, if you're going to discount that in your, like, look at his last year, maybe turn on some tape, man. Remember, turn remember what tape. he looked yeah. like. Yeah. I think that's so, the thing. That's is, all I'm going to say. You're making a good point. He's got to play well. If he doesn't play well, even if he plays like, Hey, if we have to it, put it this way, if we have to, well, actually his play, you know what I mean by that? Like, well, actually, if you look at the data, he's doing blah, 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 blah. They need to win. 
they need to win and he needs to be the quarterback when they win. And if he continues to play well, then you can see people start to slowly change. But for now and for a while, oh. he's not going to get the credit he's due. And you're and, and and again, it is totally person player separation here. But it's like what we do, John, is driven around these discussions. And if that is what everyone is going to go to all the time, it's just an annoying thing. It's, it just kind of sucks. I don't know what other way. To I, I, it's, you know, uh, whether you consider this fortunate or unfortunate, it will be a temporary thing. Um, I, I will right. say I do. just one more I thing yeah. that, uh, you know, for any people super high in the Bengals, just remember that coach is about to get fired. And just remember, if you want to look at some charts in terms of uh, wins under expected, um, they had Hugh Jackson on there, you know, from, I would think it was like 2017, 2020 or something like that. Uh, the bottom of that list was Cincinnati's coach, and he was out the door last year. So it'll be, I, I will be very interested to see a, fully healthy um you know baltimore team a, a browns team that is fully healthy and now headed by deshaun watson and let the Bengals try and compete in that um i i'm very interested to see whether there is a uh, kind of like a almost a similar thing obviously they got to the super bowl that's awesome right but like I see a, almost a similarity between the Browns just winning the one playoff game and them getting to the Super Bowl. Um, just don't be surprised if if uh, there's a pretty big backlash there for them coming, you know, because yeah. I haven't changed my opinion about that coach. I haven't. I celebrated when he got an extension. I could be totally wrong. And I have been, you know, like obviously I've been a, a couple years um, ahead when I've been predicting the Steelers demise, I do think that it's finally happening this year. Uh, I could be wrong on this Bengals one, but um, nothing about that coach has changed in my mind uh, in terms of the Cincinnati Bengals keeping him, you know, he's uh hang yeah. around for, um, uh, for uh, Sean Payton. Uh, I, I'm not at all convinced that he's, the actual guy. So I'm sorry, I don't mean to go off on a tangent. I just want to throw that in there that I think that uh, Cincinnati's riding on a, a, a high and I, I don't begrudge them that, but just don't let's not just get ahead of ourselves on what they're doing. I, th I think they run where Jamar chase can take them. I, I really do. I really, I yes. really do. Yes. They, what if he, what very... if he bangs up a knee in the preseason? Yeah, that's what I'm, I mean, they, they, they are relying on big plays which is great you want to generate big plays that's awesome love it yeah big but correlation just, with winning yes totally i i just i think it has a chance where we look back at this in seven or eight years and we're like i cannot believe the Bengals made a super bowl just can't just can't wrap my head around it because they i, I don't know there's just there's just there's i need not to a, see more and I and I know Jamar is special, and and like the connection there is great. I just feel like they go as far as he can take them. T. Higgins doesn't do the things Jamar does, and T. Higgins gets the benefit of what Jamar opens up for him. And if you let's put it this way, I'm just the Bengals Browns matchups in the next five years. I could not be more interested in the division. Couldn't be 
more interested because Cleveland is clearly built and the drafting of Martin Emerson continues to tell me the same thing. They see the wide receivers of the league taking off. They know more and more good ones are coming every year. We have to stop the pass. We just do. And they know they match up so well with Cincinnati that like, I just am fascinated by these games coming because if you can stop Joe from throwing it downfield to Jamar, you can beat them. You can, you can beat them because then they, they just, they shrink, they shrink up, man. So I, I'm not afraid of them. I respect them because I think they have the big playability that few in the division do, but like, I don't know. I just, I, they're so reliant on that dude. And, and it's, uh, it's going to be, I mean, you know, you rely on a guy who Jamar continues to get better and stay healthy and all of that. It doesn't matter. They'll just keep scoring because he's that good. I mean, he's uh, that, that first year is wild, dude. It's absolutely stunning what he was able to do. So yeah, but I remember that first game. I remember (laughs) that first game against him and I can continue to remember that, you know, and uh, you know, uh, the, within the division you you know if we can stay healthy we don't have covid you know stuff like that coming in this next year is a big factor in terms of the policies for the league Mm -hmm. um you know uh i'm thinking about that first game against the Bengals where we shut that down and i'm thinking about baltimore who will not possibly you know it's, it's hard to imagine uh, more critical injuries to their defense than they had last year in terms of the way they play. Yeah. Um, and they also are all in on the secondary. So, and they, you know, they only prove that again, getting Kyle Hamilton, uh, bringing in um, Marcus Williams, who I love like that secondary is legit. That's four games a year, year. Good luck. Um I hope that we have a center fielder that we can rely on. So uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I like you said, I think you wrapped it up well. Just saying, like these division games have a ton of intrigue in the, in the North. It's going to be fascinating. Some good topics, man. A lot of fun. We went about an hour. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Um, you know, as John and I try to broach topics and get together as often as we can after last weekend's draft stuff. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that too. So we'll keep doing it. We'll keep trying to find talking points and. Um, you know, cause this is the muck, man, until we get some sort of news, it's just kind of talking about a lot of the same things. But sometimes I do think there are interesting angles to take on topics that have been discussed in nauseam, even the Mayfield stuff and the change of quarterback market. So thanks for checking out today's episode, guys, John, thanks for uh, joining, bro. Yeah. Uh, fun as always, Jake, have a good one. So guys, thanks for joining today on this Sunday. If you're listening on Sunday morning here, happy mother's day to you and yours. Um, if you're listening uh, again, Monday, Tuesday, or whatever of the following week, Hopefully you're having a great start to the week and you had a great Mother's Day uh, as well. So appreciate you guys again checking out this episode. Continue to check out the OBR's content, which is starting up the rookie film rooms. Alex Wright is up. We're going to get Martin Emerson up next week. A little crazy uh, week of work for me. So hopefully I can get Martin Emerson up at the start of next week. So appreciate you guys very much for the continued support. You know, it means the world to me. I continue to say that and I, I genuinely mean it. So thanks again for checking out today. Have a great Sunday, guys, and go Browns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.